You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. Bang! What is up, podcast people? How's it going? Glad to be with you. I'm not Pastor Joey. I am Ben. Uh, If this is your first Impact podcast, Uncanceled podcast, then you probably don't know me. Uh, But if you've been here at least a little while, then you've seen me eat some stuff with Pastor Joey and and rate it out of 10. So uh, I'm happy to be with you. Pastor Joey and Brianna asked me to do this uh, podcast today, and so uh, I'm I'm excited. It's going to be good. I'm very thankful for them, and if you're an Impact student and leader, you should be very thankful for them as well. It is, uh, it's a really great thing that you, uh, and I guess I'm talking to the students especially right now. It's a really great thing that you have youth pastors that every week you don't have to wonder what you're going to get. Like when you come to Impact on a Wednesday or when you come on the podcast, you don't have to wonder whether or not you're going to be, you know, taught some nonsense. Pastor Joey and Pastor Brianna and and anybody uh, that they trust to have speak, you know, in this youth ministry is going to, is going to give you the Bible. And so, uh, we're going to, we're going to get into some Bible today. I'm excited for, for what we're going to talk about. Um, last week, Pastor Joey started the podcast with a five minute rant about monster. I don't, uh, monster energy. I don't really have anything particularly to rant about. Um, I, okay, let me, let me do this real quick. This won't, this won't be a big thing. Um, I saw this last night, and it was kind of crazy to me. I actually texted Pastor Joey and, uh, and our other friend, James. Awesome youth leader, Brother James. This is crazy to me. That's not the right numbers. Okay. <clears throat> you know the Olympics. The United States has 2,985 total Olympic medals, gold, silver, bronze. We have 2,985 total Olympic medals. That's a lot, but it's like really a lot when you look at the next three. The United States has more Olympic medals than the next three countries combined. Germany has just over 1,000. The United Kingdom and France have just under 1,000. We are like kind of killing it, and it's like kind of embarrassing. Um, obviously the United States is not a perfect country, but I mean, my goodness, we, uh, kind of own the Olympics. Shout out. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad to be an American. I'm proud of, I'm proud to, you know, live in this country again. Not everything is perfect, but it's not going to be because it's run by people, but we kind of, we kind of crushed the Olympics anyway, has absolutely nothing to do with, uh, with what we're going to be talking about today. But, uh, here's what I have. Um, this has been a recurring theme to start uh, the year at Impact, and that is that God is concerned with the heart. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll personalize it today. God's concerned with your heart. God's concerned with your heart. And like I said, this has been coming up uh, again and again uh, to start the new year. We've been starting the year at Impact uh, along with the church globally in prayer and fasting. And just in that, God has, has dealt with me um, with some things. And then if you were here last night 
at Impact uh, this this most previous Wednesday, Pastor Joey uh, gave a great message on having a heart to worship God, and this is this has been coming up, and I think that it's not a mistake. I think that God is positioning us and positioning this youth ministry um, to have a to have a heart for God, a heart fully committed to God, and and if we have a heart that's fully committed to God, then there is truly no limit to what God can do through this youth ministry, through uh, under the leadership of Pastor Joey and Brianna. There's no limit to what we can do. Like, I, I know that Pastor Joey and Brianna have have big eyes to to do really great things for the kingdom of God. And if our hearts are fully committed to God, then God can use us and it can happen. God can use us and it can happen. But God's concerned with the heart. Let me read to you 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number seven. This is when um, David was being anointed as the king of Israel. And uh, if you know the story, the prophet Samuel went to anoint the king and the instruction was to go to uh, Jesse's house. And so he went to Jesse's house. Jesse brought out his sons and he brought out all of them except for David first. And, uh, and the oil didn't flow. Like those sons weren't the, the chosen king by God. Uh, and then this is what the Bible says. First Samuel 16, verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is concerned with our heart in 2024. God is looking for a people whose heart will be fully committed to him. Fully committed to him. What does that mean? It means like a genuine, just all-encompassing love for God, where he is the absolute most important thing in our lives all the time, like we seek first the kingdom of heaven. We seek God's will first. We care the most about what he wants done. Hearts that are fully committed, fully in love to God. And this is what the Bible says uh, that God will do for those who are fully committed to him. First Chronicles, I believe it's 16.9. It sure isn't. Hold on, two seconds. Ah, Second Chronicles 16.9. I was off by a Chronicles. <laughs> That's okay. Second Chronicles 16.9. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what God is after this year is people whose hearts are fully committed to him. And when he finds them, he's gonna add his strength to what they're doing. And great, great things are gonna be accomplished in the kingdom of God this year. Amen. Um, we're gonna look at a couple verses of scripture in the book of Joel. Again, God is concerned with the heart. God is less concerned with outward actions than he is the condition of the heart. And we'll see that that is not a, uh, a pass to just do whatever you want and say, oh, God knows my heart. But God wants a heart that's fully committed to him first. That is what he cares about more than he cares about, you know, the things that you're doing, if you're doing the right things. Because people can do the right things without really 
you know, having a heart for those right things, if that makes sense. But Joel chapter two, verse number 12, the context here is that um, Judah, the land of Judah and the people of Judah were in big trouble. They were in big trouble. There was a huge swarm of locusts uh, that came and basically desolated everything. It, it ate up all their crops, like it messed up or messed with their animals, with their grain, uh, with their, um, with, with basically everything. Like their land was just totally laid to waste. And so the people of Judah were at a crossroads where, you know, this terrible thing happened. They could either begin to question God and God, you know, why did you do this? Like you're, you know, are, is God really good? Um, or they could like turn to God and really press in and, and see and experience the goodness of God. But here's what the, here's what the Bible says in Joel chapter two, verse 12. So these, these people of Judah, they're at a crossroads, basically. It says in verse 12, this is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Amen. God is eager to relent and not punish. And, and I just kind of like, that is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. Whenever we do something wrong or whenever we're not living right, God's heart is always for forgiveness and always a gracious, merciful heart that he wants to, to accept us back. If we just turn to God and, and, and it really just requires repentance, God, I know I shouldn't have been doing that thing. Would you please forgive me? God is always, 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 always looking for reconciliation, looking for us to come back to him. And God is always willing to, uh, to accept us back. We see that all throughout the Bible. But um, again, God is concerned with the heart. These, uh, these, these verses that we just read, it says, God's saying, return to me, come back to me with, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And it says to tear not your clothes, but to tear your hearts. What does that mean? In, in Bible times, when something terrible was happening or when they were, or when people were repenting, they would often like literally tear their clothes in grief, just as an outward show of like, this is really terrible. You know, like this is the worst. I'm going to rip my clothes. Um, and God is, God is saying in these two verses of scripture, don't, don't tear your clothes, like just as an outward show that, you know, you feel bad or whatever, but tear your hearts. What does that mean? Again, have a, have a genuine heart of repentance, have a genuine heart that wants to return to the Lord. And at that point, God's saying, you know, return to me and, and I'll like, you know, be merciful and just, um, merciful and compassionate. But God's saying to these people, don't just have the outward show. And, and that's really, that's really the core of this is don't just have the outward show where, you know, you come to church, but you don't really care where you open your Bible to read it, but it's really just for the sake of saying that you could, you read it today. Don't come to church and sit in service and you know, when, when the, when the preacher, whoever tells you to raise your hands, you just raise your hands and it's kind of like, okay, whatever. The outward actions 
is not what God's after. God's after a heart that's fully committed to him, a heart that really loves him. And that's developed as you spend, spend time with God with intention. What do I mean? Again, you can come to church without really any intention to receive anything from the Lord. You can open your Bible or, or pray without any heart behind it. But when we actually seek God and spend time with him with intention of, God, I want to get to know you more. I want to come to church so that I can learn your word. I want to read your word so that I can get to know you better, get to know what, you, what you've said, get to know who you are. I want to pray because I actually just want to talk with you. That heart, that, that heart will develop a greater love and a greater desire to know God and your heart will be fully committed to him. You know, it will become fully committed to him over time. But the, uh, the outward show where, where we're just interested in, in looking the part, you know, where we just want to do the right things or do what seems religious or spiritual, like God has no interest in that. God has no interest in us putting on a religious show. He, like he doesn't, he doesn't want that. Amos five, twenty one through twenty five. It's in the NLT right here, so I'll just read it. God is uh, God's giving a rebuke, and he says, "I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of." your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings or grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with all your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. God is saying here that he's not interested in a show. God doesn't want his people to put on a show of religiousness or a show like they love him. It's almost like, I mean, think of, think of any movie, think of any movie, like any, any, you know, rom-com or whatever, like a romance movie where there's two actors and they're acting like they're in love. But really when the cameras aren't rolling, there's no actual genuine love between those two people. And obviously that's their job. But God doesn't want it to be that way with us, where when the cameras are rolling, when we're in church, when we're in front of our parents or teachers or pastors or whatever, that we seem like we love God, that we seem like we're really, oh yeah, that's good. Amen, amen, yes, praise God. God's not, but there's no heart behind it. God's not interested in that. God wants, God wants those outward expressions. God wants righteous living like we read, but he wants it to come from a place of genuine love in your heart where you're actually fully committed to God, where you're actually fully committed to God. God is more concerned with the heart. He doesn't just want the outward, the outward show. He's, he's done with that. He, and, and, and there are too many Christians that are putting on an outward show and that's not what God wants. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. Why is God more concerned with the heart? Why is God more concerned with the heart? The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, I'll turn there. Proverbs 4.23. You've probably heard this before. I'm going the wrong way. 
You've probably heard this before. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another translation says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow the issues of life. I want to read to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. I hope that this is, I hope that this is blessing you. And I also, I'll get here in a minute, but this is by no means meant to be a, a teaching that makes you feel badly and condemned where you're just a terrible person. That's by no means the heart of the heart of this teaching, but rather an encouragement that, that we, we should love the Lord, that everything that we do should come, everything that we do for the Lord ought to come from a genuine place of love for him and not just an outward show, but we'll get there. Why does God, why does God care about the heart? Why is God more concerned with the heart? Luke 6, 45, Luke 6, 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. That makes sense. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God is, God knows that what we say and what we do ultimately is a reflection of what's in our heart. If we're constantly saying things that are dishonoring to God and we're constantly doing things that don't honor God, God knows that the heart isn't right with him, that the heart isn't fully committed to him. And so rather than, you know, just, and again, it's possible to, to say all the right things and to do all the right things, at least for a time, at least for a time without having a genuine heart. But eventually, eventually, um, the heart will influence what you do and what you say. You cannot fake it for too long. I guess I can put it that way. You, you can't fake it for too long. If you, if you say that you're friends with somebody, that you love somebody, but really in your heart, you can't stand them, eventually you're going to like slip up. You run into them at school all the time and you're like, Hey, what's up? You know, like, you know, uh, how you doing? Like, you know, glad to see you, whatever over and over and over. But really in your heart, you don't like them. Eventually that's going to, to come out. You're going to say it to somebody and they're going to overhear you or they're going to come up to you and, and catch you at a bad time. And you're just going to explode on them. Like whatever, you can't fake it for long enough. God knows that our actions and the words that we say, maybe they can stay clean for a period, but eventually they're going to catch up with where your heart is at. Um, I'm looking up this scripture. Pastor Joey uh, taught on it uh, a little while ago. Psalm 24, verse 4. Lots of Bible. I hope that that's, that's very good for you or very good with you, that you're cool with it. This is the only thing that matters. Um, Psalm 24, verse four, verse three. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure or only those, this, this translation isn't the most wonderful in the NLT or this scripture or how it translates it. 
The ESV says, or who may, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Basically, who can uh, come near to God? Who can draw near to God and have, relate, like, have like actual genuine relationship with him? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who, do, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Who has clean hands and a pure heart. What does that mean? Clean hands, that's the outward actions. That's what we do. Those are, you know, the actual things that we do. But a pure heart, again, a heart that's genuinely in love with God, that genuinely wants to see the will of God accomplished on the earth, that just wants to live right because we love him, because he's been so good to us. The clean hands can stay clean for a period, but if the heart is not pure, eventually the hands are gonna become unclean. The, the actions that we do are going to become unclean. Again, why? Because out of the heart flow the issues of life. Everything that you do flows from the heart, Proverbs 4.23. That's why God is more concerned with the heart. And so this is not, um, this is not a, like a teaching that, that says that what we do outwardly doesn't matter. What we do outwardly matters very much, but God is more concerned with the condition of your heart because he knows that if the condition of your heart is pure, if you just love God, everything else is gonna come in the line. If you love God, you're not gonna go and, you know, beat people up or, I don't know, whatever you wanna say, like swear at people or whatever. There, there is obviously a, a time you know, for sanctification. And there's a time where the old gets purged out. But if your heart is genuinely right with God and you genuinely love him, you're not gonna wanna do those things. So God knows that if he can have a heart fully committed to him, then everything else is gonna take care of itself. But again, this is not, this is not a teaching to say that, um, that actions don't matter, that what we do doesn't matter. What we do certainly matters. And God is certainly interested in the things that we do. God wants us to live right. God wants us to live right. Um, I read that scripture to you in Amos chapter five, where God is saying, I hate all your show and pretense. I don't want the show. But he says, uh, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. God cares about what we do. God cares about what we do. Um, and in James chapter two, let me read some of James because this talks about the things that we do or the works that we do being an evidence that our faith is genuine. James chapter two. I hope that, I hope that this is blessing you and that you're getting, getting something out of this. Um, and I also don't by any mean, by any means mean to sound mean. <laughs> Sorry, that just made me laugh. That was a lot of means. I do not by any means mean to sound mean. <laughs> I do not by any means intend to sound angry or unkind. Um, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm yelling at you. This is, uh, this is not that, but, um, but rather, again, an encouragement that God's concerned with your heart. He wants a heart that's fully committed to him. 
and he knows that if he has that, then everything else will take, will, uh, will fall into place. But James chapter two, verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And, and all the religious people say, oh, well, hold on a second. The Bible says in Ephesians, I think it's chapter 2 or chapter 4, that we're not saved by works, that we're not saved by the things that we do. No, we're not. The Bible is very clear. I think it's Ephesians 2. Ephesians, oh, not Ephesians. Oh, it is Ephesians, chapter two. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith and not a result of works. The Bible is painfully clear that we are not saved by the things that we do. So what is the Bible talking about in James chapter two when it says that faith without works is dead? What does that mean? It means again that if if the faith isn't genuine, then, or if the faith is genuine, then works will naturally produce. Then the actions will naturally line up with what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches. But if the faith isn't genuine, if the heart isn't genuinely right before God, then the works aren't going to line up and aren't going to be right. Faith without works is dead. It's not saying that we're saved by our works, but rather that our works or um, the actions that we do, the things that we do are an evidence of the posture of our heart. Again, a reflection of the um, condition of the heart. And so we're not saved by our works, but our works are important. Our works are an evidence that we truly have right relationship with God and that we truly love him. It gives that example that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very simple. If I was walking by somebody that was homeless and they had no food, they were skin and bones and they just looked miserable and I'm walking by out of the grocery store and I have some food with me, a lot of food or whatever. Like I just bought a whole cart full of groceries and I see that person and I have no compassion or no heart for them. Or they ask me, you know, or they say, you know, I'm, I'm really hungry. Like, you know, could, could I have even a little bit? And there's no compassion in me, but I say instead, that's tough, man. I'll be praying for you. You know, hey, I'm praying for you, believing that God's going to do something. Like, I'm right there. You know, I have the opportunity and the means to do it. What, like, what does it say about me if I say that I'm a Christian, but I'm not willing to ever do anything for anybody like that? Does it mean that, um, if, if I pass that person on the street that I'm not saved? No, but it's, it's like, is that faith really genuine? It would cause me to, to question or it would cause you to question. You know, if, if you know me and like you, you're an impact student or a leader or whoever, and you know me and I say that I love the Lord and God is my everything, but then you see me on, you know, uh, in Walmart getting into a fist fight with somebody. 
or just like yelling at somebody, cussing them out. It's like, what in the world is Ben doing? I thought he was like really for God. I thought he was like actually a Christian. That's what James is talking about here in James chapter two. That's what the Bible is talking about. Is not that, not that we're saved by the things that we do, but that if we genuinely have a relationship with the Lord, then our actions should line up with that. God is, this is not a teaching that's meant to, you know, uh, give you a pass on living according to the Bible. Like, oh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't tithe. I don't give, but God knows my heart. God's, God's more concerned with the heart. We're not saved by the things that we do. So I, I just don't tithe, but God knows my heart. God knows that I'm really for him. Well, you know, you're just disobeying the Bible. If your heart is really for God, then you do what God asks you to do. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. The things that we do, our obedience is a product of our love for God and a heart that's fully committed to him. God is, God is concerned with the heart, yes. But he's concerned with the heart because he knows that if he has our heart, then the actions will line up. God is not... Um, God, God is not concerned with the heart to the point that he overlooks wrong behavior. God does, not, God does not honor or give a pass to wrong behavior, but oh, God knows my heart, you know? That's, that's not what the Bible teaches. God is concerned with the heart. God is concerned with the heart. I wanna, I wanna say this. This has been coming up a lot um, in, my, in my spirit recently. If you just heard that, and again, I by no means meant to sound mean. I did not mean to sound mean um, or angry. I'm certainly not angry. This is something that uh, the Lord has, has dealt with me about, you know, many, many times. Is like, hey, is your heart really for me? Like, that thing, is that thing... Uh, more important to you than me? Is this more important to you than me? I'll be totally honest and transparent. This morning, my alarm went off and I uh, snoozed it once and then it went off again and I was about to turn it off for 10 minutes and I was thinking in my mind, I do this every morning, I was thinking in my mind, I know that if I snooze it and get 10 more minutes of sleep, then I can still, you know, get everything done that I need to get done and get out of the house on time to get to work on time. But I felt a clear, like, uh, instruction, maybe a, a correction or a rebuke, but a clear instruction from the Lord uh, to get up now, get everything done, and spend 10 minutes reading the Word. Spend 10 minutes in the Bible this morning. And I... I was in my bed and I was like, oh, I was really looking forward to, to going back to sleep for those 10 minutes. But ultimately, like I, I, I had a decision to make. Like God, I very clearly felt that instruction. And sleep is not more important. 10 more minutes of sleep is not more important to me than obeying what you've asked me to do and getting in your word this morning. And let me tell you, I, I got up, I did what I needed to do. I spent 10 minutes in the word this morning and it blessed me so much and it was so awesome. And just like has made my day so much greater, greater than 10 more minutes of sleep would have gotten. 
I don't even remember why I started saying that. Um, but I don't know, maybe it helps somebody, but let me say this. Okay. Maybe you were, you were listening to this. Maybe you were at impact, uh, last, last night. Maybe you were at church over the weekend and something that pastor Joey or pastor Frank or whoever was preaching to you challenged you out of the Bible. They challenged you and you felt the, the conviction or you felt the, oh man, like, I really haven't been doing the very best job in that area. Let me encourage you. Correction and conviction of doing something that you know you shouldn't have been doing is not something to despise. It's not something to feel condemned over. It's actually an evidence that God loves you and that you're his child. Hebrews chapter 12, is that right? That's what I've written down. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 5. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. That's so good. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and, and he punishes each one as he accepts as his child. It goes on to say, I'm just going to read it. Verse seven, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Man, I mean, that is so, that's so encouraging because I know that there have been so many times where I've felt the correction. I've felt the conviction of the Lord that I've not done something, you know, in obedience, I've done something wrong. And that is not meant to be a bad thing that condemns us. It says, don't give up when God corrects you. Don't feel condemned. And that's really a trick of the devil is that when we feel that conviction of, oh, you know, I, I did that thing and I really shouldn't have, or, oh, you know, I'm challenged to, to do a little bit better in this area of life and I haven't been doing the very best job. The, the devil will try to trick you like, oh, you, you're the worst. You like, what's the point of even trying? Like you, you've messed up so bad. That is, that is not God. That is not the voice of God if you ever hear that. God's voice is, hey, don't do this thing for your good. I love you. You're my child. I'm correcting you because I love you and because this correction is actually going to turn out for your good. That's the heart of God is his correction, his conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is never, ever, ever meant to be something that condemns us and puts us down and makes us feel bad. There's, there's a part of it, like the Bible says there, that no, um, no correction is enjoyable in the moment. It's painful. There's that, there's that moment of realization of, oh, oh man, like I really messed up or, oh man, 
I really haven't been doing the best job there. Dang. But, but don't let it sit there and just continue to make you feel bad. That is meant to turn you back to God because he's correcting you, not because he's a jerk that wants to punish you, but because he's a good, loving father that wants to see you walking in the right way, in, in the good way, in the good, in the good path that God has for you, in the blessing that God has for you. And God knows that the blessing only comes when you're, when you're walking the right way and doing what he's instructed you to do. God's correction is not something to be despised. God's correction is something to welcome as, as a child of God, recognizing that it's coming from love and not from a place of punishment or, you know, hate. God doesn't hate you when he corrects you. He loves you. And it's a proof that you're his child. And so even if, even if um, there was something that was said in this podcast that challenged you a bit, you know, like I, I would be absolutely lying if I said that uh, there, there were things, especially Pastor Frank's most recent ser- uh, sermon on Sunday, that, that I had to like look introspectively and say, you know, they're, they're, I, I, can do a, I can do a much better job in this area in my life. So it's not, it's not something that is, is a bad thing. It's evidence that God loves you and that you're his child. So if there was something last night at Impact or at church on the weekend or um, anything that uh, you, know, you heard, that's not, that's not a bad thing. It's actually a function of the Bible. And it's a function of your pastor. If your pastor's doing a really good, if your pastor's doing a good job, then what he says should challenge you because he should be, or she should be preaching from the word and the word is meant to challenge you at times when you're not living right or when you're doing something that you could do a better job at. Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's what the Bible does. It'll cause you to look, like to take a hard look in the mirror. And and that's not a bad thing. It's ultimately pride that keeps us from receiving correction. And it's so sad when, when I see or hear people who can't receive a correction it's it's a it's a warning sign of pride but um all that to say don't despise correction from the lord don't despise when you're challenged from the bible or when you're challenged from a preacher preaching the bible it's for your good god's doing it because he loves you and because you're his child i hope that oh and the other thing last thing like i said God, God's heart is always for forgiveness and always for reconciliation. If you are ever reading the Bible in a service, hearing somebody preach and something challenges you and you feel that correction and conviction, that is the perfect time to turn to God and say, God, I can do a better job here. Or God, I know I should not have done that thing. Please forgive me and help me not do it again. Repentance is a turning, a, a change in direction, a turning of the mind. I, I know I did something wrong, but God, I'm turning away from that thing and, and I'm not gonna do it anymore. That is always God's heart. If there's ever a challenge that you, um, 
receive or if there's ever a correction that you feel in your spirit. That's not an opportunity to harden your heart and say, oh, God hates me. But it's an opportunity to recognize that God's calling you back and that he loves you and that his heart is always for forgiveness and always for reconciliation. And so um, I hope that I hope that this was a blessing to you. I hope that, uh, that I mean, I hope that it, it challenges you and encourages you to have a heart that's fully committed to God because that is what God's after in 2024. That's where this youth ministry is going. We are gonna be uh, leaders and students that have a heart after God, that we're gonna be people um, after God's own heart, just like David was, fully committed to the Lord, receiving his strength and doing great things for God. Amen. Let me, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person listening to this that has listened to this podcast today. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help them have a heart that is fully committed to you. Father, anything that is keeping them from having a heart that's fully committed to you, I pray that they would get rid of it and that they come back to you, Lord. And I thank you that you are such a good and forgiving and gracious God. I thank you for each one of your children listening to this, Lord. And I thank you that they have a heart that's fully committed to you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hope that you enjoyed this. I'm sure that Pastor Joey will be back next week. Hope to see you then. Peace. I think that means he's gonna be back. (laughs) Peace. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.